Well, our first testimony tonight um, is a testimony to how important it is for churches in a local area to have fellowship with one another. Uh, I think many of you know or know about Pastor Sam Gage in Brooklyn. Uh, Our churches have had close fellowship for several years, and he's been a part of our pastor's fellowship. And uh, we've always tried to make it uh, a practice uh, unashamedly to steal members from other churches. Uh, And um, not really, but uh, last summer... Um, Our first testimony is from Sylvia Carrillo, and she and her mother started coming here last summer. And we knew that they were a part of Brooklyn Baptist Church, uh, but it turned out that uh, this was a better geographical option for them, and so they have been with us ever since. Um, Love many things about Sylvia. One of the things I love about her is that she will give you an option as to what you can call her. It's either Carrillo or Carrillo or Carrillo. Uh, and uh, since I speak Spanish, I'll take the third one. So please join me in welcoming uh, Sylvia Carrillo as she comes to give her testimony of what the Lord means to her. Thank you. Hi. So today on this Thanksgiving Eve, I have the privilege of sharing with all of you my testimony of how the living God sought me and saved me from the wrath of God while I was dead in my sins and trespasses. I grew up in a Catholic home, but I had no real beliefs in anything other than I had to make my parents proud and achieve success because they gave up everything for my brother and I to come to this country. So I went out through life finding joy in drinking, partying, and a lot of dancing. Although I tried to smile, I was miserable and full of resentment. But during Easter 2015, we had to rush my mom to the hospital. All the signs that she was having were the symptoms of a stroke. And it was then that my mom was saved, but it was also that same day that I felt more despair than I had ever felt in my life. From that day, my life felt like the series of unfortunate events. Mom could no longer work. We found out that the uh, landlord passed away, so they were selling the home. And just like that, in a matter of two months, everything was gone. My mom went back to Colombia. My brother went to live with friends. And I was left alone. <laughs> and All I could do is just try to make myself busy so I didn't have to face the reality of my life. And as if things couldn't get worse, my heart was shattered um, and broken by my boyfriend at the time. And at first I cried for days, and those days turned into months. And everyone around me kept telling me, be strong. So I continued to do what I thought was best, which is what was right in my own eyes. Why? (laughs) Because this allowed me to do whatever I wanted to do and still think that everything was fine. But the reality is that I was dead inside. And when I was finally ready to find myself in 2017 as a young single woman living alone, my mom told me that she was moving back in with me, and I was so angry at her. And to make matters worse, I couldn't believe that she wanted to talk about God, and she thought that I had time to think about God with the weight of being financially responsible for the two of us. So one day while she was speaking and I was ignoring her as always, I heard her ask me, Do you know what people's first reaction is when they hear about God? Well, it's to reject them. And in my stubbornness, so I thought, um, I knew I had to prove her wrong. So I finally agreed to go to a Bible study with her. (laughs) Because I thought to myself, after all, what's the worst thing that can happen? I'll learn something new. We'll be fine. And I'm so thankful, looking back on it, that the Lord uses even the bad things about us to draw us to him. 
he sees every he uses everything for his eternal purposes and to bring glory to his name. And during that time at the Bible study, I asked all of the questions that made Christians feel super, super uncomfortable. But the people leading the study opened their Bibles and answered every single one of my questions with love. And this was rare. It came from everybody telling me that I had to be strong to people actually listening to me and seeing love between one another. And it was then that thanks to the work of the Holy Spirit, I started reading God's word. One of the guys at the Bible study recommended that I started with Matthew, but because of my stubbornness, which has always marked my life, I started at Genesis. <laughs> Everything was a shock for me. I mean, Genesis 9 shows that the rainbow is God's covenant between him and every living creature. What? I would feel so lost. By the grace of God, I started questioning my worldview. And since then, God revealed to me that everything that I thought was true was distorted. Once I got to Leviticus, I know Leviticus, I started reading all of the thou shalt nots and the clean and unclean and all of the sacrifices that had to be made to atone for the sins of the people of Israel. But it was then when I was finally confronted with my sin and I understood that God was holy and that I was marked by my uncleanliness, that my iniquities had separated me from God. Since that time, I repented of my sins and the Lord has been so good. And by the way, I still repent of my sins every single day because it's a struggle. But by his grace, he revealed himself to me and allowing me to see that salvation and eternal life is found in Jesus Christ alone. That Jesus was the only one that lived the perfect life by humbling and emptying himself on the cross of Calvary. His blood was shed, which secured our salvation forever. The just for the unjust. But death could not defeat him, and he arose on the third day and is sitting at the right hand of the Father as an intercessor for undeserving sinners like me that rejected him from the beginning. And because of him, I'm no longer defined by my past experiences. His word says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I no longer see any of the suffering in my life as a series of unfortunate events since I now know that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I see his perfect providence in the story of my salvation. And although in the past people told me that I had to be strong, his word says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, since his grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in our weakness. I'm so thankful every day, especially during this time for his redemption, Praise be to God for his gift of salvation. Thank you. All right. Uh, Sylvia, I want you to stand up. I want you to look at the congregation. Okay. Anybody here other than Sylvia who was saved reading Leviticus? Okay. Praise God. Uh, all, thank you, you may be seated. All scripture is given by inspiration uh, and is profitable. Uh, it is the word that gives life. He has chosen to give us life by the word of truth, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Sister, I am so happy uh, that you picked up the Bible at the beginning and that you read it and that that word gave you life. Praise God. Well, our next testimony comes to us from Walter Butters. Uh, Walter is our good friend. He is, a, he is a new member candidate of this church, 
and he is very hungry for the word of God. He's very faithful to come out on every Wednesday night, just not tonight, but every Wednesday night he is here with us studying the word of God. I want to invite you, uh, if you don't have a Bible study that you attend, you can join us here every Wednesday night at seven o'clock. Uh, Walter is also a man of prayer. He joins us for our weekly prayer meetings, and uh, he wants to tell you this evening about what Jesus Christ means to him. So let's uh, welcome him as he comes to share. Good evening. My name is Walter Butters, and I'm pleased to share with you my testimony tonight. From a child, I came up in the Brethren Assembly, and even though I was very active in the church, I knew nothing about repentance of sin and salvation. So during my late teenage years, I departed from the church and lived a life of rebellion against God. In my early 30s, I then migrated to the States with the intention of settling down with my girlfriend, who was a Jehovah Witness. That relationship quickly came to an end, which undoubtedly left me heartbroken and in a very lonely place, compounded by being in a strange country. Not sure what my future looked like, I decided to accept an invitation from my brother to attend his church, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. And I must say that for some time, I did enjoy the fellowship with the saints there until my brother one evening asked me this very pointed question. Is there a point in your life where you repented of your sins and committed your life to following after Christ. Even though the answer was no, the question continued to gnarl at my conscience and I couldn't dismiss it. About the set time, I found out that the church had an all-night prayer meeting. They met in a room called the upper room and one Friday night in August 88, I decided to attend that prayer meeting with the intention of asking God if I were saved because I didn't know. My plan was to find a corner, kneel and pray, because I was looking at it as a very private moment between God and myself. To my surprise, when I got there, the room was filled with chairs all facing the direction of the pastor who at that time was reading a book on prayer to those who were in attendance. I also found out that at midnight, they would break out into groups. So just at the point of midnight, before they broke out into the groups, the pastor said these words, there is someone here who has doubts about his salvation. I knew that was the reason for my attendance that night. 
So I raised my hand. He called me forward. And for the very first time in my life, God's plan of salvation was explained to me. And I saw myself as a sinner on the way to hell. Then and there, I repented of my sins and I placed my faith in Jesus Christ and in his finished work on the cross as full payment for my sins. That was 34 years ago, and today I have no doubts about my salvation. And instead of living in rebellion against God, I love him, I love his word, and I love telling others about him. Thank you. Amen. So, so the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And that was a beautiful confidence in the finished work of Christ and his assurance of salvation. Let me ask you, do you have that kind of confidence in where you will spend eternity? Uh, Brother Walter, thank you very much for sharing. That was a tremendous blessing. Well, our next testimony comes to us from Alice Kwan. Uh, we first met her in the, in the spring of 2021 when she uh, visited here in May. And uh, in speaking with her, I, I said, we're glad that you came here. Where did you come from? She said, I come from Staten Island. And said, wow, that's a, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good commitment. Well, thank you for coming. Uh, it was nice to have met you, and we never thought we would see her again, because who, who would drive all the way from Staten Island to go to church? And as time went on, she uh, proved herself to be more faithful in her attendance uh, than people who actually live in Bayside. And she... Uh, uh, united herself to this church. She moved into this neighborhood uh, and has been nothing but a delight for us. And I want you to know how she came to know Christ. So, uh, Alice, I'm going to lower this a little bit. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Okay. And uh, let's welcome her as she comes to give her testimony. I was waiting for one of those jokes to hit. I'm going to lower it a little more. All right, so hi everyone, my name is Alice. Thank you so much for the introduction and I'm just really grateful that I get to share my testimony of salvation with all of you guys, all of you guys who have blessed me in great and small ways. So before I was saved, my life was filled with a lot of resentment and hurt. I grew up in a pretty full household, meaning I had both of my parents at home. I had an older brother from the outside looking in. It definitely looked picturesque. But on the inside, it was very much empty and broken. Um, my parents had and still do have a pretty terrible relationship, and it's been that way for as long as I can remember. <coughs> Since a really young age, I saw and heard a lot of fighting and kind of became an expert at dealing with the aftermath of that. So like I mentioned, I have an older brother. He's six years older than I am, meaning he's dealt with the craziness of my family for six years longer than I have. Um, but... Thankfully, he found our childhood church through some of his friends from school, and at a very young age of like 13, 14 years old, he kind of took it upon himself to bring me to Sunday school and put me in church just to get me out of my house. So I attended church when I was about, or started at least when I was about seven years old, and I made friends, people who looked like me, had similar cultural backgrounds, it was great, and I was like, yes, finally, people I can like talk to, resonate with, all the good stuff. 
But when it came to family matters, I was always told, like, you can never, ever talk about what goes on at home. Like, it's shameful. People are going to judge you. The community is small. Word is going to spread. But I think what really pierced me the most was that I was told, you know, like, who is going to look at you and who's going to truly love you if they know about your brokenness and your ugliness? And, excuse me, and that really hit me. And I believe that to be true, so I just never talked to anyone about anything super personal. But I continued attending that church because it was social. It was my friends. It gave me an excuse to be out of the house and avoid everything that was going on at home. I did really love and enjoy the people that I did life with. I enjoyed serving the church. I heard the gospel preached time and time again, but my heart was way too hardened to believe or even listen to what was being spoken. I doubted that my own parents loved me, so how could I believe that an all-perfect and loving God did? So I knew all the good Christian things to do growing up in church since I was seven. I, I served, I was bright and bubbly, I was kind to the elders and the adults, and I pretty much had everyone fooled thinking I was saved or at least on track to being saved, whatever that meant. Um, but I knew deep down that I wasn't. I was in high school partying every single Saturday night with my high school friends, but then I wake up early in the morning, crawl my way to church, stand before my youth group and lead in worship. I was a walking contradiction, but no one knew because I played my cards right, or at least I thought I did. So one summer in my high school years, we went on a church retreat, and I've been on multiple throughout the year, so I kind of knew the drill. And for those of you guys who have been or are familiar with the Korean church, you guys kind of know how it goes. There's worship, message, prayer, lots of crying, lots of repenting, lots of coming to salvation, and then that's repeated over the course of a few days. And I don't exactly recall how it all played out, but I remember one service, our pastor was closing out his message, and entering us into a time of response, and he was just reiterating what the gospel was. And this is the gospel I had heard countless times, and the gospel that had zero impact on my life whatsoever until this very moment. So for the first time in my life, my eyes and my ears were opened um, to hear and receive the gospel truly, that I am a wretched sinner, that what I deserved before a holy and perfect and blameless God was death for my sins and my transgressions. But God didn't choose to punish me, He was rich in his love and his mercy and chose to send his one and only perfect son to die the death that I deserved and that it was only through faith in his death and his resurrection that I received and we received the gift of grace and salvation. And in that moment, I was like completely undone. Like I thought I was justified in all my anger and all my doubt because like what kind of parents do these kinds of things? Like I have the right to be angry, but all the more God revealed to me my sin and what that is and the gravity of it against him and brought me to repentance but more than anything he revealed his great love for me in the moment in that moment the Lord graciously took me out of my pit of sin and saved me and I can't say things were like suddenly perfect after that moment things were definitely drastically different but I went home to a broken home my parents were actually recently divorced during COVID I still struggled with a lot of sin But what's different from then versus now was Christ. And not that Christ is ever changing, but now I am his and he is mine. Even after salvation, there were many moments I fell into deep sin and I fell away from God. Um, But no matter how far I felt like I ran, no matter how far I felt like he was from me, there was no doubt that the spirit in me convicted me and called me back to him. And I mean, just some points that happened, like God pulled me out of a very sinful relationship. He's currently working on restoring my relationship with my parents. 
And through like college friends who are sitting here today, he helped me come to church after months and months and months of neglecting to fellowship with the saints. And now I get to stand before you guys and share just the goodness and the sweetness of God and his work in my life. And none of it was because I did anything great or my life was so sad that I deserved any of it, but solely because he was gracious and merciful to me. And I just want to end with a verse from Romans 8, 38 to 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Alice, I want you to know, like among all of the young people at our church, you are not the best. But there is none better, none better than you. <laughs> Praise God. The grace of God is so evident in your life. And, and I hope that you caught um, when she spoke early on about the bitterness that she had in her heart uh, toward family situations, how the Lord changed that when the Lord saved her. Uh, Praise be to God that he not only forgave her of our, her sins, but also uh, changed her heart. And that's what the Lord Jesus does. Well, traditionally at our Thanksgiving Eve service, we try to get a married couple uh, who will stand side by side and give their testimonies of salvation. Um, I first met this couple back in 1998 uh, when their daughter, uh, Tara, started coming to our church. And, um, and uh, we're so thankful uh, that just this past year, uh, Jim and Robin Salerno have become members of our church, and uh, they have been very involved in the ministry here, in Bible study and in prayer, and perhaps most notably, um, they themselves being relatively new, but nonetheless wanting to reach out to newcomers, so there is a good chance that uh, if you visited this church recently, filled out a yellow card, uh, that Jim would be one of the ones perhaps that would have contacted you in thanking you for coming to the church. So we're very thankful for how they have thrown themselves into the ministry here, and uh, we want to hear how the Lord saved them. So let's welcome Jim and Robin Salerno. Good evening. My name is Jim Salerno. What is a turning point? I define it as a point in time when significant decisions are made, often altering the trajectory of one's life. I think we've all had them. Here are two of mine. I was the oldest of three sons raised in a two-parent household and I was the recipient of 16 years of Catholic school education. In elementary school, I was involved as an altar boy, sang in the choir, I even worked in the rectory. I kind of followed my mom and dad's lead as they were heavily invested in the life of the church. I was a product of the 50s and the 60s, but thankfully, I was never caught up in the drug or counterculture scene. I was self-centered, and I had a reckless disregard for my physical safety. Nothing of a suicidal nature, just a bunch of high-risk pranks. In fact, there were three occasions where, if not for the merciful hand of God, 
I would not be standing before you tonight. Full of mischief? Sure. But I was a good kid. But as my teen years soon came to an end, I discovered I was a lost kid. Midway through my freshman year of college, I accepted an invitation to audition for a local talent show. It was a program sponsored by the 104th Precinct Youth Council, and it was led by three Christian women. When the Friday night rehearsals were over, we were, the cast was invited back to one of the ladies' homes for a coffee clutch. And it was during those gatherings that the women shared their faith. I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ being revealed to me in ways I had never heard before, despite my background. And I was intrigued enough to start attending the church services where these ladies attended. I got to meet others in their family, and I joined the church youth group. On June 29th, 1969, after hearing a very powerful gospel message, I was convicted. I knew I was a sinner who was as far from God as one can be, and I came to realize that Jesus suffered and bled for my pardon. I came to realize that it was clear that the only way, the only way to be reconciled to a holy God was to accept the salvation that Jesus provided by his death on the cross. I repented, I sought forgiveness, and I asked the Lord Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. That was turning point number one. Soon after, I secured a part-time job at a Wall Street brokerage firm. It was a clerical position in a back office operation. And as the end of my junior year at St. John's approached, I was offered a full-time position in the institutional sales department. That's where most of the major action occurs. Uh, and in order to sweeten the pot, the company agreed to pay for my final year's tuition and any related fees. And I thought about it. It was uh, very tempting. And I said, you know, I'd have to spend two years going at night in order to get my degree. So I declined what might have been a lucrative career. I didn't realize it at the time, but my walk with Christ may have been severely compromised had I said yes. And as it turned out, God had something else planned. After graduation, I began working full-time in that same back office department. A few months passed, and my boss came to me one day, and he said, you know, you can do a lot better than this. And uh, he encouraged me to seek something better. And that something better soon materialized. I was hired for a management trainee position with a major financial services company that had multiple offices here in the New York area. And I was assigned to our Queens Village office. Two weeks later, I was informed that a more senior employee had requested a transfer to be closer to home. So he and I swapped places and I reported to our downtown Brooklyn office. That was July 12th, 1973 and was the day I would meet a young lady who was the office bookkeeper. Her name was Robin, and she would one day be my wife. As was mentioned earlier, God had something better in mind. Robin and I recently celebrated our 47th wedding anniversary. So God used the foresight of a former boss on Wall Street, 
along with one man's transfer request to get me to exactly where he wanted me to be. That was turning point number two. And over the years, I've served in church ministry in several capacities. God has blessed me with multiple opportunities throughout. And my wife and I are very appreciative of the warm welcome we receive from the saints here at North Shore, and so we thank you. And after a 43-year managerial career, I retired in 2015. And I soon had two volunteer options available, and I eagerly involved myself with both of them. But when COVID shut down those venues, I had a lot more time at my disposal. And I used that downtime to write a memoir. Nothing for publication's sake, just something to share with family and friends. And as I considered the events of my life, I pondered as to what kind of a title to give it. And I finally settled on, He Ordered My Steps. And I was inspired to that by Proverbs 20:24, which reads, How can we understand the road we travel? It is the Lord who directs our steps. Thank you. Good evening, everybody. My name is Robin Salerno. I was born on May 8, 1953, into a Jewish family in Brooklyn, New York. We were not religious and never observed any customary traditions. In my family, there was never a mention of God. Occasionally, we visited relatives on some of the Jewish holidays. I remember sharing meals with them, but there was no mention of God or even the significance of why we were gathering together. In the summer of 1962, I spent several weeks with my aunt, uncle, and cousins. There I was exposed to a small amount of religious ritual. Each morning, my uncle would put on a prayer shawl and recite Hebrew prayers. I believe it was the same prayers every day. However, nothing was explained, and I was never personally introduced to God. As the years went on, I attended school, hung out with friends, went to rock concerts, and did drugs. I had a selfish streak in me, always wanting things my way. I also had a nasty mouth. If I had any thoughts about God, it was only once in a while. After graduating high school in 1971, I got a job working at a finance company. Two years later, in July 1973, Jim Salerno was hired. Jim and I became friends. I learned he was a born-again Christian. I had no idea what that meant. Jim began speaking to me about God and what salvation was about. He explained that all people are sinners and are separated from a holy God. In order to be reconciled to God, a price had to be paid for sin. That was to be accomplished by the shedding of blood by a perfect, sinless sacrifice. Only God's Son, Jesus Christ, the spotless Lamb of God, met those specifications. Jim continued to tell me that Jesus died on the cross as atonement or payment for my sins. He substituted his life for mine and absorbed God's wrath that I rightfully deserved. He said if I repented of my sins and believed that Jesus paid for them in my place, I would be saved. Jim went on to explain that Jesus was resurrected on the third day and that he will one day come again. For several months, I rejected this message. I acknowledged that there were evil, sinful people in the world, but I insisted I was not one of them. 
I recognized myself to be a good person, and any relationship I might have with God was private. Jim presented me with a New Testament. I enjoyed reading it, though there was much I did not understand. However, I did start thinking more about God and of the things Jim had shared about salvation. In April 1974, Jim invited me to attend a weekend Christian retreat. During the Saturday night service, all of the people gathered together and formed a big prayer circle. The date was April 6th. I was very uncomfortable and stood there listening to the different prayers, still not believing. But then something happened. In an instant, I believed. As I look back on that day, I see how God, through his Holy Spirit, convicted me of my sins and changed my heart. While still in that prayer circle, I asked God for forgiveness of my sins and for Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. Soon after my salvation, I began going to a small group Bible study. Jim and I were officially dating, and we were married on August 30th, 1975. We attended a local church regularly. About 22 years ago, we visited North Shore Baptist Church for the first time. These visits were spread out over the course of two and a half years, excluding Sundays. We liked the church a great deal, but felt the Lord wanted us to stay where we had been fellowshipping. And we did that until after the COVID restrictions were lifted. Over the years, I served in several ministries, including teaching, greeting, vacation Bible school, and event planning. I was also part of the leadership of a woman's group, as well as several home Bible studies. On Labor Day weekend, 2021, God led Jim and I back to North Shore Baptist Church. We have been here ever since and have become members. I love the constant presentation of the gospel that sinners are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I am so grateful to God for permitting me to serve him in this church. I have been privileged to be involved with greeting, vacation Bible school, helping out at church night, and had the chance of teaming with one of our summer interns. I look forward to other service opportunities as the Lord leads. Lastly, I would like to share my favorite verse, Philippians 1.21. The Apostle Paul is speaking. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul lived his life daily sharing the love of Christ. That is something I have to do more and more. That task may be challenging, but through the power of God's Holy Spirit, it can be done. What will be even better is when I leave this earthly home and spend eternity with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So if you've ever had a conversation with me, I undoubtedly have annoyed you. Uh, when you've been telling your story, when I would ask a question like, well, when was that? And they'll, and they'll say, it was a few years ago. No, what I specifically mean is, when was that? What was the date? What was the month? What was the year? And like, I don't know. Who keeps track of those things? Well, I do, and the Salernos do, okay? Uh, they're easy to communicate with. Um, so, Robin... Uh, Romans 1.16, we, we quote it so often. Uh, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel 
because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And then there's that tag on the end that says, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or to the Gentile. Uh, I'm wondering tonight, how many here are uh, born again, you are saved, and you are also from a Jewish background? You're also from a Jewish background. All right, praise be to God. And if you're if you're interested, if you're here tonight, you're from a Jewish background and you're interested in knowing more of what it means to know Christ, I'm sure that Robin would be willing to talk to you or any of the others who raised their hands. All right, our next testimony comes from a single man. However, in January, he will no longer be a single man. He's going to get married um, on January 21st, is that right? Yes. I love this guy, uh, Omar Torres, for several reasons, but one of the reasons I love him is that you know that when I preach, I stand here behind this pulpit and I purposefully deliver really lame jokes and 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 I will look at you and I'm, I'm actually trying to get more groans than I am laughs. <laughs> Omar actually laughs, and <laughs> afterward, <laughs> I love this guy, and then afterward, he will come to me on the lawn and repeat the punchline, oh, oh, Pastor Ed, Dan Saw, you know, like, <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is joy, and this brother has joy. Uh, Omar, come tell us of your love for Christ. Good evening, brothers and sisters and uh, some friends. Before knowing Christ, I was living a life where sin was nowhere near my heart. I was, uh, had no thought in afterlife but before that, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Excuse me. I was born here in uh, New York City. My parents came from uh, Dominican Republic as first generation immigrants. Around my 10th birthday, uh, my parents decided to move to Yonkers to uh, try to give us a better life in the suburbs, right? I did well in school, and I had a, a knack for like architecture, design, and baseball. Apart from school, I enjoyed uh, working construction with my dad and enjoyed going grocery shopping with my mom and playing stickball and baseball, basketball, other kid stuff, riding bikes with my friends and uh, my brothers. So all along, my parents kind of raised a pretty good kid. As I was becoming a young man, I started pushing my limits now. And I started living the life that my parents tried extremely hard to shelter me from. Now this good kid image was fading away. And it was fading away pretty fast. I was living a life in recklessness sin. So reckless that by the age of 22, 
I nearly had a deaf experience car accident and that didn't even change my heart. I still continue to live the way I was living. Against my parents' efforts, best efforts, I still went about my life my own way. But it wasn't until I had Natalie, my daughter. When I recalled having a bigger thought about the direction of my life. After my daughter was born, I had a strong sense of duty to her. And I felt she was given, she was a God-given gift to me from the very beginning. Her arrival stopped me on my tracks. As she was turning two at the time, I desired to show her true unconditional love, and I wanted to spare her somehow from evil or direct her from evil paths. So I found myself with some few questions needing answering. Now I needed to know if true love was real, it was real, and where did it come from, right? So as I grew desperately trying to find these answers, some hidden memories of my grandmother came to life, back surface, back to, to life. Now, my grandmother had a passion for church, right? She loved taking us kids to uh, church and drag us to summer camps as we were young, right? Somehow there was uh, the joy and the love that I received from those who belonged to the church was something that I was not able to forget. So I had another question. Why is that memory surfacing at this time in my life while I'm looking for love for my child? Why is that so fresh and so clear? And why never before during any of my reckless life did those memories come surfacing. <clears throat> Excuse me. So soon after, about a week or two after, I met someone at work who actually introduced me into a church. She invited me. I, I didn't go. I, I, I was rebellious, of course, of you know, but there was one thing that I couldn't ignore, and that was there is someone who's been listening to me with my thoughts who's been in my, in my head that perhaps he's even been orchestrating my events because the things that I've just mentioned were just secret to me in my mind alone. So now I became curious and hungry, and I wanted to understand more what that was. At church, I went finally, and I buried myself every single Sunday, hearing the gospel, and just trying to learn who is God. In the meantime, I found myself trying to please God like I did best my own ways. And I lived a life in deep, unrepentant sin. Now, I was full of pride still, 
I was full of entitlement. I was selfish and I was angry, extremely angry. I noticed something about myself. I was everything that I, I told myself I wasn't. But I was everything God said I was. In James 1.18, the Lord says, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, all his ways. That was me. I was living a double life, going to church on Sundays, and just disobeying the Lord. I was so unstable. Even with the greatest intentions of having a good life, I was always falling short, always falling short. In the midst of looking for unconditional love, the Lord revealed that what I really needed was to be rescued, rescued from myself, from my thoughts, and from all my anger. And definitely that I needed to be saved from my sins. In August 2020, I read Matthew 7:21, and it just staggered straight through. The Lord said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. See, now I started realizing that I wasn't good enough for God. So I started to fear his wrath and the, pers and the possibility of just burning in hell. without even having a taste of heaven, of love. If I had any chance to go to heaven, I knew I needed to be saved from my sins. So fearing God is what led me to comprehend God's ultimate act of love, the gospel. Now I really understood what the Lord's been saying. See, from the beginning of time, he planned to send his only son to take the wrath of my sins. And at no cost to me, if I believed in his son and his son's perfect work on the cross alone, I will be granted eternal life in heaven. See, I am a father, and me as a father now, I would never, never sacrifice my daughter for anyone. But the Lord of the heavens, he gave up his only son. For me, so I can have access to true love, God, access forever here on earth as I still live, and access in heaven when I pass.
This is true unconditional love. Immediately, immediately I asked for his forgiveness. I repented of my ways and my sins, and I handed my life to the one who from the very beginning has ordained every single step for me to even be standing here in this room. I am so thankful to him for the change that he's brought about my life. By his grace, the Lord saved me from my inequities, and he has transformed many of my deceitful desires into ones of the Spirit. By his grace, by his mercy, is why I am saved. I have found peace with God, though, as I continue to be a sinner, you know, like many of us, like we all are. This peace comes from the reconciliation through his son, my Savior, Christ Jesus. See, I praise the Lord every day now because I recognize and I know that my sins are many, but his mercy is a whole lot more. Since then, the Lord continues to be kind and gracious. He keeps me fully employed and able to provide for my family and uh, have enough to give and serve here at this wonderful church. The Lord has given me an opportunity to become a better father. And he has also been so kind and gracious that he has given me the opportunity to become a husband. A husband to the person that, the first person that invited me to church. She, she and I will be married by God's grace this coming January 21st, 2023. Thank you. Just, uh, amen. Just unending testimonies of evangelistic dating. Uh, yeah, thank you. It's good. Jim Salerno, yeah, just, yeah, thank you, good job, Omar, you did a great job, you, you honored the Lord, praise God, that was, that was terrific, yeah, yeah, all right, so traditionally we save the best testimony of the uh, night for last, uh, no exception tonight, uh, Shani Steele is our final testimony. Uh, we came to know her through uh, some connections that we had uh, in London, oddly enough. Um, my dear sister uh, comes from a Jamaican background, and so uh, we understand each other in that when we have social gatherings, uh, she brings West Indian food, uh, and we are good friends. Uh, so... But, uh, 
initially, Jason Jang was to have given uh, this final testimony, but as Providence would have it, work um, has him in Los Angeles, and he was not able to shake loose. And so at the very last minute, we asked Shani to do this, and she agreed, uh, and we're looking forward to hearing how the Lord has saved her. So let's welcome her at this time. Hi guys, um, so my name is Shanija or Shani, um, and I was born and raised in Queens, New York. Um, I was brought up in the Lutheran church and was christened as a baby. And since my mother was a single mother and she had to work all the time, the only spiritual guidance that I had at my church was at my church, which also had a school attached to it, which I went to until high school. And I was taught at this church that I was always saved. And so long as I confessed my sins before death, um, I will go to heaven. And, and when I went, so, so basically at that time, I was in the church and I was serving and I was also on the, um, the choir and everything. And I was praising the church as this good person. And that's what I thought. And when I went away to college, that's when I stopped going to church in general. I believed along with some other old friends that I didn't need church and that so long as we were good people and confessed our sins, we will go to heaven regardless. So during my college years, I partied recklessly. I got into binge drinking. I swore a lot and I, I would confess my sins. <laughs> um, and I was also very judgmental and selfish. I became this arrogant person and I thought I was better than everyone. Um, even when people were telling me that I was a good person, I just know to myself I was not. Um, but still, you to fit in with people, you just have to put on this vacate in college and that's what I fell into. Um, and I would pray from time to time, but I didn't really believe in it or relied on God except for when I was in hopeless situations. I only believed in myself and I put so much pressure on trying to be this great person or trying to be successful because I thought that would lead me to happiness. So how did I came to know Christ? After I graduated from college and the pandemic hit, I had stumbled upon this opportunity to study abroad and complete my master's in London. And it was there where I met my friend Gabby and she told she was telling me how she's going to go to this church and visit it and i was like you know what i haven't gone to church in a while let me just try it out and go back so that's when i started going to a church called amian park chapel where i met pastor gerard um i had a different experience going there than my lutheran church and what i meant by different was it was mostly based on the sermon the majority of the service. Meanwhile, in my Lutheran church, we had um, sacraments, we had procession, we had a whole order to it, and we had to memorize things and prayers. So that's what I thought that I needed to do to be saved. But here, they just talked about the gospel and the Bible and how to live biblically, which is the term that I heard constantly, which I didn't get quite at first. Eventually, I started to listen a lot more to these messages, and my life started to change. I stopped swearing, and I started trying to apply these lessons. Um, it wasn't until I started going to, I went to this retreat that they hosted, 
for a week, and that was when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Repeatedly throughout the week, um, I was listening to testimonies on how people were talking about being born again, and I didn't know what that meant because I always thought I was Christian. I was I was baptized as a baby. I was sprinkled. But I went to church, and I knew of Jesus, but did I actually believe, I thought. Later in the week, we would have this prayer meeting where many were praying so passionately, and I just felt the Holy Spirit come down, and I was like, wow, is this the power of prayer? And I wanted to know more about it. So one day, I decided, you know what, I'm going to try this out for the first time in a while. And it was it was hard at first, but I ended up just giving up my self-control up to God, and I prayed, and I was just asking you know, God, who are you, and who is your son, and just confessing all of the things that I've done in my life, and I just, I felt, I just felt his presence, and I'm not sure exactly when, but I believe that at that point, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I just depended on him. He, he had died for, he had died on the cross for my sin. And he resurrected on the third day. And because of that, there's salvation waiting for me. And I knew I was a sinner at that point. Um, Since then, I felt that Jesus had changed my life where I was convicted every time I sinned and truly repented. Um, I started building a stronger relationship with the Lord and prayed more. Um, I started sharing my prayers with my um, my friend who later actually became my roommate. Uh, and I just kept asking God for help and wisdom in every decision that I made. I just left it up to him, and I felt so much happier because I just realized that everything that happens to me is not because of me. It's because of him. It's all in his plan. Um, I accepted the good things that had happened, but in turn, even if bad things had happened, I just put all trust in him full-heartedly. After I graduated, I returned to New York, and I was doing a whole bunch of church shopping. I was trying to find another church, and my pastor from London, he texted me, and he told me about this church in Queens called North Shore Baptist Church, Um, and he said that he knew this pastor whose, whose name was Ed Moore and to go visit his church, so I went and as soon as I came in, I just, I just felt, I felt welcomed. I, I felt that the Holy Spirit was just here. And I just, since then, it's, this church has helped me grow so much. I, I love attending the ministries that they have, the young adults ministry, especially, where I've grown sp- more spiritually and also theologically. And I've also learned how to open up more about my struggles and got to know so many other people on deeper levels as we shared and prayed about our struggles. And this is how I was saved. Thank you. Shani, I'm so glad um, that we had that relationship with that church in London and that they recommended that you come here. We are a better church because you are here. You honored God tonight.